get into Geek Movies Crew here. Mitch and Maddie talking all things in-house event cinemas, cult film classics program for 2017. We are up to week number three, Maddie. A very special double screening tonight. I mean, if you're going to do a double screener, like double feature, what solid two films you can watch back to back will match up to this? Volume one. Volume two. Ah, shit, yeah. We are here to talk event cinemas program. We are reviewing all the films, talking about the legacy, what they were like when they first come out, how they still stand up today, why they're good, why they're bad, why people keep going back. Oh, hang on. Sorry, I'm just air drumming over here. Isn't this awesome? God, this is a good piece of music. And to the movie for so little, we are, of course, talking Kill Bill, Volume 1 and 2, playing back-to-back the whole bloody affair. Screening Ooh. for Event Cinemas week number three of their latest program. My name is Mitch. That's Maddie. We're going to talk you through it. A, a bit of a limited crew tonight talking about twice the amount of films. So thanks a lot to Brennan and Reese for giving us so much work to do, basically. Well, I mean, it takes commitment. I mean, I am exhausted sitting through that. Like, that is, I'm just exhilarated, but I'm exhausted. It's actually the first time I've watched them back to back. Like, I mm, own too. Kill Bill 1 and 2. I think they were supposed to bring out the whole bloody affair in Australia, but they never quite did. But either way, it we've just, got both it DVDs. It doesn't sound as badass in Australian. Oh, the whole bloody affair. No, <laughs> we just like, sort of say that. That sounds like we? an episode of Neighbours. Yeah, like, that's probably real kick-ass when they said it in America. It's Quentin's like, I've got a really cool name for this. Mm. So, yeah, well, I go to Australia. It's not so much. <laughs> Love you, Quentin. No, uh, even on Netflix, they're sitting there. I've never watched them back-to-back. But, I mean, the first mm. movie goes for two hours. The second one is like two and a quarter. You know, so it's it is a long sitting as we found out tonight and sitting in a cinema, but that's the way you want to do it, relive yeah. it yeah. Or for the first time, maybe watching it on the uh, on the big screen. So that's... I've never done this before because it is such a, a such a commitment to watch these. So I'm so mm-hmm. glad to be able to do it on the big screen uh, with yeah. event cinemas tonight. Without, such a great way without recent Brennan because they're just too soft, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, and clearly they're just too soft. Well. What I love about Quentin Tarantino is that you watch these sort of movies and all of these movies, you talk to him, he doesn't actually like violence. Like, he sort of detests violence. Which is but so bizarre. He loves to use it, right? And he loves to have fun with it. But he, I, he's not a violent guy, if you believe his word, you know? So for all the Pulp Fictions out there and the Inglorious mm. Bastards and Django's and then Kill Bill's, I love Quentin Tarantino. I wanted to be a director. You know, I Brendan, who does usually do these chats with us, I've been mates with him since I was 12 years old. So nearly punching 20 years. A couple of years into our friendship, he makes this, he would say too, it's a very silly, very stupid home movie. It was like Austin Powers meets superheroes, mainly <laughs> sure. because we just wanted our superheroes to wear uh, like national flag boxer shorts, kind of like Austin Powers wearing the Union Jack underwear. And then the bad guys were very similar in the way they dressed and spoke and storylines. And we, we ended up stealing a lot. But it was a backyard film, so who cares? That actually made me want to get into film, get into directing, because I watched Brendan make this movie with another friend of ours. He showed me this short film version of the story they'd made, went for like 10 or 15 minutes. They entered it into some junior film festival didn't go anywhere, but I said to him, like, Mate, when you make this, can I just please come over? I, I, <laughs> I, I just want to be there. I want to be a part of this. And I did that, and then we remade the film. We were going to start again from scratch, and he said, okay, well, now you can be a character. You know, you get to be another one of these superheroes or an, and a bad guy because we all played like anywhere between four and eight different characters each, right? That wouldn't be confusing. No, at not at all. Uh, not at all. You put one totally part one way and a part the other way, and you're suddenly two different characters. And through doing that, I wanted to become 
a director. And so I started watching movies not just for the actors on screen or the cool special effects. You know, it wasn't just watching superheroes and dinosaurs and, and you know, lightsabers and all that sort of stuff. I was watching it for the directors. And then I started to get interested in who wrote them and people that wrote and directed their own films. And then you get people that are just like what I wanted to be and what I hoped, whatever I was at the time, you know, at a minimal level, the people that are just that 5,000, like Quentin Tarantino, mm. who for me has one of the greatest quotes of all time. When he said, oh, people say to me, you know, did you go to film school? And I say, no, I went to films. Yeah. It's, I'll get goosebumps now. That's a fucking kick-ass line, right? Yeah. Because he used to work in a video store, so he would watch movies. Kevin Smith did the exact yes. same thing from Jay and Silent Bob. He was just... He was a fan of movies. He wanted to make movies because of the movies that he saw. Yeah. And and he, oh, I wish I had it with me knowing that you dropped that great Tarantino line is he has a very similar catchphrase mm. about that, about, you know, just making something that you love, you know, and then contributing. And yeah. it's, oh, it's, uh, it's great. It's such a great premise too. It's just like, well, rather than tear something down, make something. Yeah. You know, make something you love. Just get out there and do it. It doesn't matter if three people see it. Yeah. Get out there and you made something. And that's where I get really defensive of Tarantino because he's got his absolute diehard fans. You know, the just Quentin Tarantino, QT, greatest director out there. You know, he's only made eight films, you know, because mm. he considers volume one and volume two of Kill Bill to be one film, which is great. So the eighth film from Quentin Tarantino was The Hateful Eight. And he still says to this day, directing is a young man's game. I'm going to make 10 films and that's it. I'm retiring. A lot of people call bullshit on it. I hope he does as well. He's already talking about making his next film is going to be a story on the Manson family. And it's like, of course wow. it is, Quentin. Of course it is. I'll have to see if I can find something for you. It's basically both of our loves together mm. is, I'm not sure how old it is, but I'm pretty sure it was a, it was Quentin Tarantino doing an interview with Kevin Smith and Matt Myra on one of their many, 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 many podcasts that they do. And it's Quentin Tarantino talking about how he'd love to direct a Star Trek film. Wow, and he and it actually gets me because I'm not a huge Tarantino fan. Yeah, as, as I'm not going to. Oh, it's a Tarantino film. I'm going to love it. I'm yeah, not, yeah, I'm not. I'm not that kind of guy. But yeah, as, uh, the way I heard him talk about it and his passion for mm. Star Trek, like he's he's who knew he was a Trekkie. Yeah, I was like, I would totally sit through a Quentin Tarantino <laughs> Star Trek film. And I'm like, if there was any way it would get you hardcore into the franchise. I feel like that's the way that's the way it could be done. That would be my gateway drug. Would yeah. be Quentin Tarantino <laughs> and Star Trek. <laughs> I want to say I'm trying to think of what my first Quentin Tarantino movie might have been. It took me a while. Like I've been working at a radio station now for nearly ten years, and they knew how much I loved movies when I started here. And so they said, "Hey, do you do you want to review movies? We don't have someone who reviews movies on the show. Hey, and you know, so that can be part of your job." And I'm like, "Okay, that's awesome, great." And then after a couple of months, I'm I'm talking to uh, you know one of the bosses, certainly someone who had a higher authority than me, and he must have mentioned something about Pulp Fiction. I said, oh, I've never actually seen Pulp Fiction, and he looked at me and said, "How the f can you be a movie reviewer? How can you call yourself a film buff if you've never seen the greatest film of all time?" I went home pretty soon after that, and I owned Pulp Fiction. Of course I do. I own a lot of movies that I don't watch. Yeah. I've never seen. You are your own DVD store. Like yes. You, yeah. Stockholm, don't watch it. Yeah. Wow, I should write that above my DVD wall. <laughs> I watch Pulp Fiction. Now, I still reckon to this day I've never seen Pulp Fiction from start to finish in one sitting. And people go, oh, that's just because of the way that it's edited. you know. And yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've 
that first day I actually came home. I work breakfast radio, right? So I made a point of coming home in the early afternoon, laying on my bed and watching Pulp Fiction. I fell asleep. It's the mid-afternoon. Maddie, you've worked breakfast radio with me. Oh, yeah. you got to have those naps. So I fell asleep. I had a nap the next time I tried to watch it. Now, I, mm. I, enjoy, I enjoy the film for sure. I can't remember whether it was my first Tarantino. I don't think so. I want to say that I watched Reservoir Dogs. Kill Bill actually might have been my first Tarantino film back in 2003. I think mine might have been as well. I know I've seen, I remember my dad having Pulp Fiction on VHS mm. on the on the shelf, you know, in the TV room. Um, and being in a, he was born in America, so he, one of his catchphrases when I was a kid was Far Dalla Sheik. He's like, that's got to be a good Sheik. It's a Far Dalla Sheik. <laughs> So I remember a lot of that, and I do love the the John Travolta and Uma Thurman stuff yeah. in the film. Once it gets past their scene in the diner and the dancing and stuff, and it gets to like the Bruce Willis stuff, yeah, I'm kind of a bit until it gets to the gimp. <laughs> Bring in the gimp because that gets really goddamn weird. Yeah, yeah, that gets super weird. But I feel like yeah, once once he's jammed that adrenaline needle into her heart. I'm kind of done with the movie at that yeah. point. Um, I, I only got... saw I only saw Reservoir Dogs just recently. Really? In I would say in the last three months. See, that's my favorite of the old Quentin Tarantino. Like for me, I, I'm, I'm breaking it up when I say old. Like the first three. So you've got Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. Mm. Then you've got Kill Bill, and then you've pretty much got everything that came after that. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't know why I break it up like that because I think just they're all so different. You know, you've got your crime stories, then you've got. Kill Bill, and then you've not just got westerns, but it's just a more modern look. There, just the yeah. way that he shoots it now is is, is different because mm. he is such a film buff. So he, the way that he does shoot, and and even now he's one of these loyal purist film fans. He's wanting to stay shooting on film. You know, yeah. Christopher Which Nolan totally wants to shoot totally on film. That. Yeah, so many other directors just go, oh, bugger, um, let's shoot on digital. It's easier and, and cheaper. And a lot of the time, that's why I can forgive him with, if there's a film that I'm, I'm not a fan of. Mm. And Reservoir Dogs is one of those. I know it's blasphemy, given that we are sort of movie bus and that sort of stuff. Like, it, I enjoyed the, the one-act play aspect mm. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that aspect of it was quite interesting. But just the, the pure fact that he is such... A film fan. Yeah. First and foremost, he's a film fan. Mm. I forgive any of that sort of things that I don't sort of appreciate or enjoy that he does because I know that there's so many people out there that are fans of that genre that mm. do that. He's not a genre snob. It's not like, it's like music snobs where they go, oh, I love everything except country. Yeah. Well, you're not really a music fan. You're just fans of certain types of music. I feel like Quentin Tarantino is a fan of every single film that is out there. <laughs> like, if it's put to film, he will watch it. Yeah. So I respect the fact that there's going to be certain things he does that I'm not going to enjoy, but then there are other stuff of his um, that I really, really enjoy. I think I think Kill Bill was probably the first time I saw a Quentin Tarantino, in figure quotes, Quentin Tarantino film, where mm. the hype going into it was, oh my God, this is a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. Whereas Pulp Fiction, when I first saw that, probably is, you know, 12 or 13 or something like that, didn't, you know, didn't click that, that he was a guy or, or that was a thing or anything like mm. that. But when did Kill Bill 1 come out? 2000? 2003. Yeah, so I would have been 19. Yeah. So I remember going with my friends and, and a friend of mine um, from school, he was actually a projectionist in a movie cinema. So he was quite a fan of, of movies as well. Yeah. And he was like, this is, this is the new Quentin Tarantino. And I was like, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> yeah. I was, I was too busy watching Star Trek at that point. I didn't sort of, I hadn't opened my mind to the other things that were out there. So yeah, I just, the fact that he still wants to shoot on film and he's just a film fan foremost is just something that I really like about him. And as much as I don't like a lot of his films, I like him as a guy, like yeah. from what I see from interviews and and just the passion in his voice when he talks about something. Oh yeah, because he's, he's a maniac. Like he's got yeah. so much energy. You know, he talks like this all the time. So it's so awesome. Infectious. Yeah, and there's not. 
a lot of a lot of you know film purists can get a bit wanky and a bit snobby about it, mm. but I never get that vibe from him. He's no, like, no, if, I don't. Okay, either, if you're no. gonna do a movie that's not particularly my thing, you're still making a movie, man. That's exciting. That's awesome. Like yeah. he's just he just wants you to do it well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's just so much positivity about him that I yeah. that I find really infectious. Yeah, and I was surprised actually when you said uh, him talking about you know directing a Star Trek you know, whether it be TV episode or a movie or something like that, that in a way did surprise me. But I'm like, well, not really. Like the last couple of years, you know, people keep theorizing, what would a, what a Quentin Tarantino superhero movie be like? You know, and they said to him, what character would you like to direct? He goes, well, look, to be honest, if, if he didn't say, I don't want to do superhero movies, they're old, they're stale, you know, um, they're boring. They're all the same. He's just said, look, if I did one, I'd want to create my own character. I want to see what, a, what, what is a Quentin Tarantino created mm. superhero? Who is that? What does that person do? What kind of world do they live in? It'd be the Conan O'Brien superhero, wouldn't it? Remember when Conan <laughs> O'Brien got his own superhero got the suit thing? On the, yeah. With the suit, the giant, the giant hair? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'd want to see. But where for me, I think Kill Bill might have been my first Quentin Tarantino film that I watched. And I think I went into it with the hype. I'm like, there's this guy they keep talking about, this director. It's mm. Look at the poster, the fourth film by Quentin Tarantino. And I'm like, well, shit, they're numbering them. Like I've always loved Spielberg. They don't number Spielberg movies. <laughs> Who is this guy? And I was too—I was too young to watch this at the cinemas because I was seventeen when Volume One came out, and it was R-rated in Australia. Come number two, I'm like, it comes out like three days before my birthday. It was like April twenty seventh or something, two thousand and four. <laughs> I'm going to be eighteen on April thirtieth. I will get to go watch my first R-rated movie. Will be Kill Bill Volume Two. Oh my god, this is amazing! It was rated MA. I could go see it anyway. So I was like, a bit anticlimactic, but whatever. Who cares? Uh, and like, what I love too is that Volume One and Volume Two, while they are considered one film, if you watch them as separate films, separate times, they are they have got such different mm. tones about them. The way they're very edited, the way their story so. is told, it's very different. And yeah. that's amazing too that he's able to make what he considers to be one film but break it in half and tell it completely differently. And surely that's shot out of order, but he's just got such a such an idea of what he wants. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think for me, the first time that I really fell in love with Tarantino, not that I didn't like Volume 1, I just think I wasn't educated enough on Tarantino and the influences that went into yeah, this film, that like I didn't you, appreciate you... it as much as what it... Maybe deserves is the wrong word, but certainly what he wants you to get out of it. It's like you need that context. Yeah. And I've noticed this myself as well. It's like I'll hear a song on the radio and I'll go, oh, I don't really like that because mm. their voice sounds a certain way and whether they it sounds like they're trying to be happy with it. And then you see the film clip yeah. and you go, oh, and it changes the tone. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I feel like by knowing about tar- – it's, it's, it's a silly com- like premise to say this, it feels like, but it's like to understand what he's trying to do – gives you a better appreciation for the film. Because mm. I have to admit, the first time I saw Kill Bill, especially with my friends building up, I actually didn't like it. Mm. I was like, that was shit. I don't... Because I didn't... A, I, I didn't understand the the time jump, you know, the anthology, like, premise non-linear of it. Non-linear editing and all that sort of stuff. All that yeah. sort of stuff. Took me out of it, you know. Um, I was young, you know. We all we all yeah, make mistakes. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it wasn't until I was able to see the second one, and I have to admit, when the second one came out, I didn't go and see it in the cinemas. I waited until I think it might have been all the way until the point where it was on TV, yeah. you know. And when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> okay." Because the first one had me written all over it. It's a chick with a sword. Yes, Lucy Liu, one of my high school crushes. Yeah. So I'm because you know that was in the um. Charlie's Angels days when she was doing Charlie's Angels. So I was like, I'm in. This this movie has everything I need. Superpowered chicks, you know, with swords. And, you know, because I was in my buffy phase and I was like, and Lucy Luke, yep, yeah, let's do it. Didn't like it. Yeah. And I watched the second one, I was like, 
Oh, <laughs> I guess so. I went back and watched the first one. I was like, this is actually really good. Then it's not even just the way that it's shot or the style of it, but just the dialogue too. And that's, I think, what I really do appreciate about or what I love about Tarantino is dialogue. And that's what I was about to say before is that's when I really fell in love with him was Reservoir Dogs. Is that opening 15 minutes what feels like? It might even be a third of that really, but it felt so long because there was so much dialogue in there. And when I say long, I don't mean like excruciatingly long, enjoyably long. In the cafe, these five guys, or how many, you know, six in their, in their suits, and like a one-shot going around the table. Mm. They're just sitting there eating bad sort of, you know, cafe cake and drinking shitty coffee. And they're talking about Madonna, like a Madonna lyric or something. And they're breaking it down. And I think even Tarantino's character has a lot of the dialogue. And they're breaking down what this Madonna song... And I'm not a massive mm. Madonna fan. I knew the song they were talking about. I wasn't really like that well-educated on it, though. I, did, I couldn't tell you all, all the words. I couldn't sing along to it. I was glued to the screen listening to these thieves, these criminals, talk about a Madonna song. And I'm mm. like, how do... Th- does Tarantino get me involved in that? Why do I care so much? But the way that he writes it, and then you know, you go and watch something like Inglorious Bastards. I love Inglorious Bastards. I love Django Unchained. And I was a little bit not disappointed, but compared to those two films, not as in love with The Hateful Eight. I've never rewatched it, but the more I think about it, the more I think about the music because he uses music so well. The more I want to go back and watch it again. I haven't seen Hateful Eight or Inglorious Bastards. The last Tarantino I did was Django Unchained, which yeah. I loved. Yeah. But again, I didn't see that in cinemas. I saw that much, right. much, much, much later. But you got in these films, and there's just such lengthy periods of dialogue and two mm. characters just talking and talking. Inglorious Bastards is a great example, even if you haven't seen it. Where at the start you've got Christoph Waltz who is in uh, Django Unchained, of course, as Schultz. He is the Jew hunter in Inglorious Bastards, an awful, awful, evil Nazi villain. He arrives at a Frenchman's house and goes to ask him about where these Jews might be hiding. Has he seen any Jews around? These, uh, these, this missing family. He shows up. He's talking in French. Says that he's German, but he talks to him in French. And then they have a one-minute conversation with, I can't even think of his name now, actually, in that, in, that, in that film. It kills me. But we have Christoph Waltz's character asking in French, hey, look, I've actually expelled all my French that I know how to, how to speak. Do you mind if we talk in English? And the French guy goes, no, that's fine with me. You know, he goes, well, it's your house. You know, I'm just making sure that if I decide to speak in another tongue that you would be okay with it. Yes, I'm more than okay with it. Rather than just for the audience, these characters go from speaking in a foreign language to, oh, well, this is an English film for American audiences and worldwide mm-hmm. English speakers, and we're just going to have them talk English for convenience sake. They have a discussion about changing the language they're talking. That I was glued to. Like, I'm like, mm. that sort of detail. Most it was films, a minute they just long. Go- English? Question mark? Yeah. Oh yes. Perfect. Start like talking English. I just love the way he writes. How rich he writes, and that's why I I, mm. I I hate how long I have to wait for a Tarantino film. But I know why he's taking so long. He doesn't doesn't yeah. go and make another. Oh, people would be begging him to direct stuff. He's like, no, no, I want to direct my own stuff. As much as he says that after each film, I'm only directing stuff that I've written that I've created. I'll do it when I want. People would still be coming up to him going, "How about this one? Do you want to do this? Do a TV episode of this?" You know. So I don't mind having to wait so long for a Tarantino film because I know he's only going to make it if he really, really wants to make it. And while first viewing, I was a bit like, "Oh, Hateful Eight didn't grab me. It was like 90 percent of where I wanted it to get." 
I think I want to go back and rewatch it and it's going to be 100% because mm. the amount of times I've quoted that film, I think about the film, <laughs> the characters that are in it. You know, Glorious Bastards was the same. It's just so many great scenes in that film and I really want you to go and watch that. Out of those two films, please watch Glorious Bastards. And then Django, so, so great. I, the only one that really doesn't grab me is Jackie Brown. I've only ever watched it the once. I don't know what it was. It was very late I when I watched like it. I have maybe seen it back in the day. Yeah. But... Nothing that I really jumps out at me. Yeah, I, I need to go back and rewatch it just to give it another crack because I do own all the Tarantino films. I've got them all uh, at home, ready to go because he is one of those directors. And and you know me, I I alphabetize my complete DVD collection. Oh, why have a collection if you don't? Well, no, but you. you even, <laughs> I think to the point that I mix Blu-rays and DVDs, which you're against because oh. you know ugh, it's so ugh. ugly, right? Yeah. Oh, how can you have them touching? Oh no, <laughs> now, they're because... different sizes. And, oh no. <laughs> now my brother is an actor, and because I'm a sweet brother, I actually. have have a section of Lincoln stuff, right? Aww. So in the L's, there's Lincoln. There's his movies that start with T, that start with A, that start with start with a number. They're all in this L section for Lincoln, right? And he's given me a couple of props off the set, right? Some bullet oh, shells, awesome. right? So there's Lincoln. Th- Other than that, it's alphabetical. I've gotten very close to actually making a Quentin Tarantino section. I could do that with Chris Evans in my collection. <laughs> um, <What> a- and then <laughs> that's brilliant. I could have, and then I re- and it actually uh, surprised me one day when I was looking for a movie to watch, and I've looked and I've gone, and then I just sort of stood back and looked at my collection as a whole. I went one, two, three, four, five, six, and I have no less than I think about nine Matt Damon films. Yeah, yeah. And it, ju- I was like, holy shit! Even like rounders, <laughs> I have rounders on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I have it, but I have it. Where did this happen? Um, and it's like so I could I could actually do that. I could, you know, you know, just put all those things together <laughs> and have a have a Kevin Bacon shelf, you know, where it's like it's it's all by the same actor. Now I feel weird we've gotten this far and we're actually not talking about the film. We're just talking about Quentin Tarantino. So we talk about the film a, a, a little bit before we go, because we've been here a little while talking about it. But just I mean, so much fun. The, the way that it introduces you to the world, in that non-linear way, like where, you know, the pussy wagon shows up, you've got Uma Thurman wearing yellow. I mean, first we introduced like black and white shot and it's like, what's going mm. on? Why is someone bleeding? I remember that was Bang. such a big deal. In, yeah. in, like I was talking about my mate who um, he used to work in a cinema. He's like, he's like, there's this amazing fight scene at the end and it's all in black and white. Yeah. And it was such, because it's like, when was the last time you saw black and white in a cinema? You know? Yep. People, well, in, people, in this sort of movie. Yeah, yeah. People just losing their minds. It's like, oh my God, he's going black and white. Yeah. Last person that did that was like Kevin Smith in Clerks. And yeah. that and that was by no means a, a a mainstream release like Kill Bill was. No, not at all. Yeah. And then you read, you know, the, the, the story behind that and it was because of the MPAA, you know, the ratings and things. Too much blood. But then also it was kind of a nice homage to films that had helped influence Kill Bill that were in black yeah. and white. And so it all sort of, it, it all works. At the same time, I would love to see that scene in colour. Like, no matter how many times I watch it, I'm like, please, <laughs> just once, let me watch it in glorious colour. I know that it exists somewhere. Please, love of Christ. We're, we're now a generation who can happily sit down and watch The Walking Dead. We can deal with it. You know? <laughs> yeah, we can deal with a lot of Between The Walking more. Dead and Game of Thrones, we can deal with a lot of blood. But yeah, the, it, it, you know, just how much it starts with a bang, you know, like The Bride as the only way we know her in yeah. the... I mean, except for a little shot of her passport at one stage. We only know her oh. as the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very quick where she goes to fly off and get her sword. We actually get to see her name Beatrix Kiddo. We, or part of her name, at least. Um, you only know her as the bride. And then there's Bill. And then there's Bud and L Drive. Like, there's just some... Gr- Orenishi, you know, there's some great... Mm. 
character names, you yeah. know, as Quentin Tarantino always and then does. When you throw in their code names, yeah, oh, yeah Viper um, and and Rattlesnake, the Crazy Eighty Eight, like just some <laughs> wicked shit in there, just so awesome to watch. But it starts off with such a bang, you know. These two, she shows up. There's two people that are going to fight. What are they fighting for? You mm. know, and it's, you know, like whatever chapter it is, you're like, oh, what's going on here? And just an amazing action piece. And it basically starts with a scene that sets up what at least Quentin teased for the sake of the fans, even if he didn't ever mean it, which he probably didn't, teased Kill Bill Volume 3. That when Uma Thurman kills uh, Vivica A. Fox's character, uh, Vanita Green, wonderful name, um, her daughter is standing there and has just you yeah. know, essentially seen her mum be killed. And, and Uma Thurman, the bride, goes down and says, look, you know, I've done what I had to do. One day will come a time where you'll need to do the same thing. I'll be waiting. It's like, what the f- man? That's a kid. And yeah. you said, look, I've killed your mom, but hey, look, I needed to. When you want to kill me, come and find me. I'll be waiting. And that was why the first time I saw this film, I was so confused because here I was thinking the story was going to be about that. Yeah. 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 You know, I thought it was going to be about this little girl growing up and taking revenge. And then suddenly it's like, oh no, Uma Thurman's the hero in this film. What? <laughs> Despite her just like cutting a woman just, open in front of her kid. She just yeah. killed that that wonderful, you know, housewife who happened to know some pretty badass moves and stuff. Yeah. Just killed her in front of her daughter, like in, in suburbia. But uh, So confused. And just those scenes, like, there's some really hard-hitting scenes like that. Uh, the one where, you know, like she, the, the church and the fact that her, her wedding has blown away. Mm. When she's in a coma and the 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 nurse like lets people in to go and rape her while she's unconscious for years. Like it's just some really sick uh, shit. That, that didn't need to be there. Like that's, well, you know, yeah. like and, that's... Oh, just, yeah, some really sick shit in there. But at the same time, then it gets so stylish and so cool. And then, you know, you come to the second one, it's a little bit more, um, spiritual in a way when she goes and does her training, you know, and does, you know, the, 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 the two inch oh, punch the or the punch one inch punch, sorry, yeah. you know, uh, in, in the coffin and things like that. And you then know. such another great homage to like old school, like Bruce Lee films and that yes, sort of yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, with standing the, on the sword. I remember when people saw that in the trailer, people go, Oh God, this is full of shit. I'm like, well, I don't even know that I understand it, but I feel like you need to at least respect it's mm. it's not set in the real world type thing, you know, yeah. and it's not it's not influenced by you, normal films. If you it's can enjoy a crouching really tiger, hidden dragon, you can enjoy this film. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, and just as well as while it's a you know, and difficult tonight to really appreciate it when you can watch them back to back. The the cliffhanger at the end of the first movie, yeah, where you hear Bill, you don't see him, but you hear him say, "Does she know that her daughter is still alive?" No, no, no. And you're like, what the fuck? And then yeah. back in the day, you had to wait six months to find out what the friggin' hell was going on. Tonight, we had to wait about six minutes. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic. It's so I love Tarantino. I know that his films have uh, a really solid place in these programs. Pulp Fiction was uh, one of the first, I think, programs. Uh, it headlined, I think it was actually the first film, yeah, in one of the programs a few years ago. And yeah, while he is such a big name, his films are very memorable. And a lot of people, even if they haven't watched them, you could say, you know, Django Unchained. Mm. You could say Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. People know what you're talking about, you know. Yeah, well, there's, And Quentin Tarantino, um, you know that name. It's such a unique name. I, I shudder to bring it up, but Brendan isn't here, so I will. Gilmore Girls. <laughs> um, such a pulp cu- culture reference show. Show, yeah. And Amy Sherman Palladino, the creator, is very much in that genre. She just loves movies and loves references and stuff like that. There is actually an entire episode dedicated. It's called Pulp Friction. And <laughs> Rory's in college and she goes to a, um, a a guy's birthday party. And the theme of the party is Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, so wow. this entire... There's... Um, 
the oh, I forget the name of it, but the Asian band uh, are up on stage. The three Asian girls with the guitars and the yeah, sparkly yeah. dresses. They're playing on the stage. She's dressed as a uh, go-go because she's got her old private school, uh, private girl uniform on with the little mace and everything. Yeah. Um, her dickhead boyfriend is dressed like Bruce Willis. And you see, <laughs> it's just, and you just sit there and you see some, every time I watch that episode, I see something new in the background, yeah. of like a background character dressed as a certain person or something like that. And it's, it's genius. Paying it's, homage to a guy that pays homage. Yeah, I think that's what I was trying to say before too. That's where I get really defensive of Quentin Tarantino because people that aren't on the QT bandwagon, that aren't massive fans of his, even not just casual fans, you got his haters that go, oh, well, he hasn't got a style. His style is sampling other styles to make, you know, and, and he his, very his, much his says- His style is cinema. That's his yeah, style. Like his style is like, you can't just, oh, he's not original because he's, he's, he's influenced by other people. What the f*** is original these days? Like yeah. original content is still influenced by other content, whether it be original or not. There are very, like you can get the most original movie out there and you can still go, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's just this, but different. You know, it's, we're a hundred years into cinema, you know, like, yeah. How many original ideas or, or styles and formats, ways of storytelling are there left? It's just about doing it slightly different or doing it better, you know? Yeah, and Quentin well, Tarantino is doing this because he loves what he has seen before. And I think by taking genre A and genre D, mixing it with genre F and then a splash of genre M and putting that together, it kind of is a new genre in itself, right? Like it's, yeah, a, well, it's, 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 hell, it's a Quentin Tarantino genre. What's that old phrase about, you know, the greatest form of flattery is mimicry, you know, yeah. to, to, to copy someone or to do something, to be inspired by someone yeah. to do something similar. That's the greatest form of flattery because you've inspired that person to do the same. Like they, they're so inspired by what they've seen and what you've created. They want to create something like that of their own. Yeah. You know, so I, that's 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 who he is. He gets inspired and gets excited and, and just wants. He's like, that's really cool. I want to try and do my own version of that. Yeah, you know, or or honor that, or just honor a genre in general. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like he's pumping one out every two years. No. You know, he's choosing his projects and he's not just sort of reading other people's scripts and going, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll do that. It's like he's really invested in every process. Yeah. You just, you've got to respect that. Like, like him or hate him, you've got to respect what he does because it's, you know, it's, it's something that will be remembered for a very, very long time. Yeah. And it is strange to see him like his last two films have been Western set films. Like it's almost, Mm. even though he did three crime films and then Kill Bill, if you are to argue, well, they kind of are two different films that, you know, Asian cinema uh, influenced. Like it, it is kind of weird to see him go back to back in the same genre because he's, got so much to say and if he is sticking by his you know own promise to retire in two more films time i'm just like branch out man like if the next one is a manson family like true crime that's something he hasn't mm. done before finish off with star trek finish off with sci-fi you know <laughs> and then go well i've got more to say you know if all this superhero genre keeps going i'm gonna make my quintessential uh superhero film you know just just keep down give us a comedy like his films are very funny mm. give us an outright comedy what does a quentin tarantino comedy look like yeah and maybe that's what we've already seen maybe we have seen a quentin tarantino comedy <laughs> but it's it's hidden under the veil of you know a, a crime film i don't know mm. he's just such a yeah like you said an amazing character he's fun to watch and listen to um so i hope that we do actually bring some more films of his back into the program in the future i would love to see reservoir dogs I would love to see Death Proof because, um, I mean, while his whole career is about, you know, you know, mixing these genres and, and, and paying homage to them, 
Death Proof and Planet Terror, that grindhouse double feature that he did with Robert Rodriguez, that was an outright, this is what we are doing to pay homage to those bad movies of the 70s Mm. and 80s. Now, while we are talking about Quentin Tarantino, I said that I love him. I've seen all of his films. I have not seen Death Proof. I own Death Proof. I've owned it for like eight years or whatever. But I've still not seen Death Proof, and it kills me that I haven't. It's sitting there; they're both back to back. We, we, <laughs> you know, we didn't get that ability in Australian cinemas to watch them back to back with mm. the fake trailers in between. The fact they made a fake trailer Machete, which became its own two feature film franchise. They keep talking about Machete kills in space, a, th- a third <laughs> entry into it. Who knows what the friggin' hell's going to happen? But I, I would love to see you know that because that that is truly a cult film. It's a cult film based on cult films. So mm. I'd say that'll happen in the future. More Quentin Tarantino, please, event cinemas, and these are films that you can vote for as fans and uh, and patrons of event cinemas. So we're only at week three now, but eventually, uh, I guess maybe the second, third last week, they start opening up some forms online. You can start picking and choosing which films you would like to see. Vote. So I keep think... an eye out at eventcinemas.com.au and then come December 8 when we get Die Hard 2 to wrap up the program, they will unveil what next year's first program will be. And it's I... always exciting. I love those nights. My favourite night of the whole program. I think I'm putting my vote in for an Indiana Jones film. I think that's where, where I'm, what I'm feeling at the moment. That would be nice to watch I on the big screen. I want to see one on the big screen. So that's why I'm mm. like, oh, how cult film does it need to be? Because I just want to watch this movie <laughs> on the big screen again, you know? Like, even The Matrix at the start of this program, I'm like, really? Cult film? Like, it made a lot of money and it was a yeah, big purchase. I mean, but whatever, you know, I'm happy to see whatever films come our way. Next fortnight, a uh, very interesting one. I think it's the only foreign film on the program, La Femme Nakita from uh, Luc Besson, who is about to have... Valerian and The City of a Thousand Planets mm. come out in cinemas. And his other film was in last season, wasn't it? Uh, Leon the Professional. Yeah, Leon the Professional was in last mm. time as well. So uh, I'd say he and Quentin Tarantino are going to feature a lot as uh, these programs do go on. So La Femme Nikita on in two weeks. And then after that, the uh, 80s vampire classic, The Lost oh, yeah. Boys from I 1987. Wait. <laughs> it's only four weeks away. So you can check out the full program, buy your tickets, become a Cinebuzz member online. It's free to do, and then it will actually save you money buying tickets for In the House and ongoing. You can get cheaper tickets to go see movies uh, by being a Cinebuzz member and uh, keep up to date with all their programs. Who doesn't love cheap movies? Yeah. Save money for nothing. Like, it'd pay for itself, obviously. <laughs> uh, the rest of our podcast can be found on our iTunes and SoundCloud channels. You can find us on the social pages, Twitter. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search at Get Into Geek. You can drop us a line, though, if you do want to talk about it further. Get Into Geek at gmail.com. Myself, I'm Mitch underscore Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. Maddie? At High Pitch Maddie on Instagram. And you can check back in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be talking more of the films on the program for In the House this season. As Maddie said, we're looking very forward to Lost Boys in four weeks' time. Check out the program at eventcinemas.com.au. We'll be back to talk more movies. Very soon. Get into geek.com.